the search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you discover what you are best suited for, and then that is what makes you happiest, too. Self-actualization uh, means the making real of the inner self, and that means what you love, what you're interested in, what excites you, what fascinates you, and that is the cause outside yourself, which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the self. Welcome to the Maslow Peak Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. I'm your host, Brett Griffin, and our guest today is Eric Peterson, a former police officer turned entrepreneur and self-described fixer who owns Peterson Investigations, a private investigation and security firm. Peterson Investigations can be found at petersoninvestigations.com. Eric, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So when I saw your notes and you said fixer, the first thing that comes to mind for fixer is the wolf from Pulp Fiction. Uh, Doug Stamper from House of Cards. Uh, there's the guy on Billions. I don't know if you watch Billions, but his uh, oh, I love it. his I right love hand it. man Hall is that his name or I can't remember the guy's name. So yeah, he's, I'm he's good. I'm hoping that's not what you do. No, another another guy that comes to mind is Ray Donovan. Somebody described that as me just because of the environment that I work in, but. Uh, uh, no, that's not what I do. <laughs> I've heard a lot of good things about Ray Donovan. I haven't seen Ray uh, Donovan, so yeah, it's good. Okay, so you are not the wolf. No, but I will say that uh, people call me uh, typically when all hell breaks loose and they call me frantically and when they can't rely on other people um, and when they need somebody and the resources that I have to fix whatever problem that that comes up in their life, whether it's uh, a burglary, uh, workplace violence, um, threats, things like that. It's kind of like the last minute you know the i'm the person that they're calling because they they can't turn to anybody else oftentimes okay so it's investigations peterson investigations but you also do security what types of clients do you work with typically you know i work with uh and for attorneys um i've i've had some celebrity clients uh some musicians and just regular people today i got a call frantically from a regular uh person who is experiencing some some issues with some fraud that she's uh, had uh, done on her and her husband at their business. And it's a, a pretty big case. So um, anybody and everybody, but because of the experience that I have and the areas that I've worked and the fact that we're kind of in the LA area, you know, I, I often get some of those calls. Uh, recently I had a, a burglary uh, case that we were helping out on uh, some, somebody got their house broken into and it was pretty, uh, out there in the news. Um, and it's kind of been a rash of, of those with Instagram and people posting things. Right. Um, so, so that types of thing. I mean, it's just, it, it's all over the map. Okay. Yeah. When you hear private investigator, you usually think of like workers comp stakeouts or is my husband cheating on me, you know, stuff like that, but I'm sure it's way broader than that. Yeah. Fortunately I haven't had to, and I, I don't like working those types of cases. I, you know, um, I haven't had many of those. Fortunately, I've had some very good clients uh, in the past, you know, two to three plus years, and um, it's a little bit more sexier than that, so to speak. 
Okay. So in your description, what does a private investigator security fixer do? So obviously, you know, there's different lines of defense when it comes to, you know, somebody's personal safety and maybe, you know, establishing the layers that are between them and, and fans. And then also just um, oftentimes in this day and age where you have social media and um, accessibility to, to people and knowing where they are at a lot of times if they're not cognizant of when they're posting. So in my opinion, a, a private investigator and security slash fixer does is um, look at the totality of, of everything that's affecting uh, the client. So in other words, um, on workplace violence cases, I'll be brought in to kind of analyze uh, the type of person that we're dealing with, um, you know, setting up surveillance, setting up security for, for the workers, things like that. So uh, based on my, my previous experience, I've been able to kind of combine the tactical uh, sense to, to my job as well as the investigative and kind of look at that, that totality. So in other words, you know, you're keeping the clients safe, but then you're looking into the future of, okay, so what's going to happen tomorrow? What can we put in place right now? Um, you know, things like that. So you're looking at um, a more um, broad view of things as opposed to maybe somebody walking around with somebody thinking, oh, well, I've lifted a lot of weights in my life and I'm a pretty big guy and, you know, uh, I, I could do anything. It, it requires a lot more thought these days, especially with social media and different threats and people knowing, you know, people's locations mm -hmm. real time. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more to security than just knowing how to fight and knowing how to punch somebody or, you know, even jump in front of a bullet. I mean, there's a lot more to it than that. Mm -hmm. I have a, f a few friends that work in Sacramento and they had a friend who his job was to like the day before Arnold, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor, when he was going somewhere to do something, his job was to stand in and walk where they were going to walk and make sure everything was secure and point things out. And then that way, then the next day he was on the detail and he's like, yes, I remember this. This is where we're going in. This is what I saw, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's uh, very much like we'll say like a football team that's running their plays, you know, the week prior to the to the big game. And I, I've, I've done a couple of uh, details with the Secret Service, and they will painstakingly do that, and rightfully so, you know. And you got to do that. I, I do that constantly. Um, you should be doing it. Sometimes you don't have as much time to do that type of thing, but mm -hmm. you should you should be doing that. And um, because if something happens, you better be prepared. Yeah, every every time we hear about a mass shooting or whatever, like for, you know, the first week or week and a half, everywhere we go, it's like, okay, where am I, where's the exit? Where am I getting out of here? And then it falls away, you know, then you get out of the habit of it. But you're, yeah, so, and then you notice people are, you know, their heads are buried in their phone and they're yep. just not paying attention. Yeah. Are you that guy that backs into the parking spots? You know, I'll back in. That's pretty hardcore. <laughs> uh, you know, it just depends. I, I do like to see my car, you know, occasionally. If, especially if I have stuff in it, but, but yeah, that, that's, uh, my dad always did that. Um, you know, it, just in it, case. Just dep <laughs> it, de it depends on where I am, but I will tell you like at a, at a stoplight or something like that, I'm definitely looking around and looking for escape routes if something happens and, and you know, whatever the case may be, it just depends on the environment and what I'm doing. But certainly when I'm with a client, yeah, it's, if, if I don't have, if I'm not, you know, thinking 50 steps ahead, then I'm not doing my job. All right. So let's go back a little bit. Yeah. Something I like to ask everyone, 
what did you want to be when you grew up? So uh, in eighth grade, we did this thing, uh, you know, like a, a career thing. And, and I said, I wanted to go into the Marines and move to California. I grew up in Chicago. Okay. And, my de- and I said, I wanted to be in the Marines, uh, move to California and be a policeman. So I, I never was in the Marines because uh, my dad was in the Marines. So I kind of mm. felt like I grew up in the Marines. He was like a, 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 DI, a drill instructor. All right. But, um, and so, and then police departments were, were requiring uh, education. So I knew what I wanted to do. And they were requiring four-year degrees, so I went right into school. And matter of fact, I took the test at 20 and a half, and I was the youngest guy in my academy class at 21 at LAPD. So I, I knew exactly what I wanted to be. Okay. And how long were you a top for? 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. So did you retire from that and then start the investigations and security? I had another. I had other opportunities. So, yeah, I, did, I, I didn't fully retire i had other opportunities so i I took them and and i've been extremely happy that i did that awesome was being a cop like you thought it would be or was it different was it more mundane was it more exciting i'm sure it's not like the movies but how did it stack up to what you thought it was going to be like you know uh so i grew up in chicago my dad was uh worked for chicago pd for 39 years so i had a pretty pretty good um a sense of what it was like, and I've been around police uh, my entire life. Um, my uncle retired from Chicago PD as well. So um, did I know what it was going to be like? You know what? I didn't really know too much about L.A. I knew it was going to be crazy, but growing up, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny to say we used to watch Cops on Saturday night. <laughs> and, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and so, and, and, you know, that's a good sense of how crazy people are and, and the types of situations. And um, I actually worked part time at a department before going into just to kind of get a sense of you know if I would like it. Um, outside of Chicago, I worked part time at a police department, and um, so um, you never know. It is nuts. Uh, I I started at LAPD, worked uh, gangs, um, detectives, fugitives. I, I've done some some pretty great things. Been pretty fortunate. And the first five years, I I didn't look at my paycheck at all. I didn't know how much I got paid. I really didn't care. Hmm. I was, I was just, I loved it. And then, and, yeah, I was, and then I started going back to school to finish my degree. Cause I went before I was able to finish. I started my career. Then as time grows on, you just kind of get, it kind of chips away at you. And then you kind of see how things really are the first five years. It's just fun mm-hmm. and it can still be fun, you know, down the road. But you see those guys that have like maybe five years to go and they're like, oh, I only got five years left. And, and it's like, man, I never want to be that person. Yeah. Uh, it's, they just kind of get burned out. So it's fun until you kind of realize, uh, you know, about the politics and the backstabbing and all that other good stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, any place of employment has that, I think. Um, especially, yeah. you know, in in the civic world where there's, you know, there's no bonuses, there's no anything like that. It's just about how can I make my career look good enough to move up and have different things to do. You're right. You're absolutely right. And you know, everybody getting gets paid the same. So you see somebody doing nothing while you're busting your butt and doing stuff on your own time and things like that. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a different world, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. 
Can you tell us one crazy top story that stands out? Feel free to change wow. names to and details and places to protect the innocent or not so innocent. But you know, it's crazy. I was thinking about this. Uh, my dad uh, worked homicide the majority of his career, so we kind of grew up in that military police. Hey, nothing affects me. Attitude, and um, so I mean, I've seen you know people kind of ripped up by oh, AK forty by AK forty sevens. The worst things are accidents. But uh, one crazy story that comes to mind is when I was working detectives in a, in a gang unit in uh, South LA, and um, when you arrest or detain juveniles, you take them to a certain section. Well, they noticed one of the juveniles, gang members, noticed that. There was an off probation party, and what that means is um, everybody kind of gathers, and and the person that gets off probation buys drinks for people that he doesn't know, he or she doesn't know, because they're off probation. So basically, this gang member knew that this party was going to occur. So uh, a guy that I used to work with, he drove there, and the next day he was going to go shooting, so he drove his Honda Accord. With an AR-15, his nine millimeter, a thousand rounds of ammo, all of his gear. Well, uh, luck has it for him; he got his car stolen, and the entire, you know, all of this equipment. So, and obviously, he's by gang members, and um, so they end up joyriding the car. They crashed it, ironically, in the area that we worked. And I started talking to people, and I started investigating, and I ended up finding out who it was, and we ended up arresting everybody. And getting his guns back and his ammo back and things like that. But had that gun uh, hit the street uh, in those, you know, teenagers' hands, it would have been a bad thing if wow. there was a gang war, things like that. So it, it was, it was. Uh, I'm glad that I was able to keep digging and and uh, get that guy's car and equipment back. So yeah, it was kind of nuts. Wow. So what's a basic daylight for you now? So today, so a basic day like for me is, you know, sometimes I'll get those crazy calls, frantic talk calls, like actually like I did this morning, a particular client just wanted me to sit down and go over all the crazy things that they have going on, uh, a particular court case, a fraud that they're, that they're dealing with and all this stuff. So basically, you know, this individual, she's got a young, young baby with her husband. They've been, um, you know, burdened with a lot of different uh, issues because of scam artists and not so nice people uh, that have been trying to take their money. And I sat down and we kind of worked everything out and and figured it out. So that's one one particular day. And and some days, you know, like I said, I'll get a, a frantic call. You know, somebody gets burglarized or something like that, and they want security immediately. Um, and and we'll have to coordinate that, make sure that. You know, those people are going to be safe and then start investigating uh, that particular crime. But I never know what's going to happen. Sometimes I'll be able to plan stuff, but by and large, it just happens spontaneously. Hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, right after Chester Bennington from Leedon Park passed away, I stumbled across an article of what he had gone through with his identity theft. And they had like a fan that was crazy logging into all their accounts and basically ruining him and his wife's life. And I don't remember hearing about that when that was going on, but it was crazy what someone with, you know, enough knowledge and motivation can wreak havoc. I mean, it, I, I didn't believe reading all that. 
Yeah, you often wonder, you know, you know, what's what's the intent? Why why that particular person? A lot of the things that I handle, like the threats, um, and to some of the musicians, and and you know, it's weird how they attach themselves to to lyrics or people or you know actors or actresses just for no reason, you know. Yeah, it's and they will travel across country just to try to have some FaceTime or you know, interact somehow. And it's just very unique. Yeah. And it's definitely changed with the, with social media and, you know, the, the access you have to someone's life. Like you feel like, you know, these people, you know, yeah. like I, I know what you had for dinner last night. Does you show me what restaurant you were at? You know, and if I walk up to you and start talking to you about it, you know, it's not weird for me because I know what happened, but you know, the person, they don't know who this person is. I mean, it's, it's gotta be weird. And I know you have to you have to play the game and try to be accessible and all that if you're in the public eye, but it's got to be hard. I, I don't, I do not envy those people. Yeah. I think it's that fine line. And I think some people, you know, want that, that attention or maybe that accessibility more than others. And, and maybe they're just kind of oblivious to what can happen until something happens to them. So I always try to educate uh, my clients, you know, most, some of them I don't have to because they, they know, but yeah, you, you you always got to be aware. What was your reaction when you heard about the, you know, Kim Kardashian jewel heist in Paris or whatever? What was your takeaway from that? You know, I, I never, you know, sometimes you don't want to Monday morning quarterback, uh, certain people, but I believe on that particular case, uh, her security left the hotel to go, um, with, um, her sister or something like that. And, Basically, you know, if you set things up properly, there shouldn't be that access. And, you know, I think those the uh, suspects posed as police and um, that's great, you know, but I'll have there there are times where I have uh, a client that if a police officer or somebody else is trying to get to them, why? Tell me why. What you know, unless it's something that's an emergency, you know, there are you know, I had I had a client recently that. Uh, I was with, and this security uh, venue person wanted to take a picture with her, and that's completely unprofessional. And was right. talking to her and things like that. Right. Ironically, two seconds into him talking to her, I see a medical uh, somebody passing out, and I and I had I had to tell him, "Hey, wake up and let's go help this person that's passing out and and get her medical attention." So, oftentimes you see people that are distracted, um, that you know are supposed to be doing their jobs, but they don't. So getting back to the Kardashian thing, you know, that his, her security, you know, should have been on, on that mission and should have kind of set up those barriers. And number one, shouldn't have left because typically you want to be in the room next to the, um, the artist. Yeah. That seems like, that seems like security one-on-one. I would think don't, don't leave. (laughs) Yeah. So for example, if it was me, I'd say, you know, I would have the front desk, call me and say, you know, say, Hey, uh, we're these police want to talk to them. Okay. Not a problem. I'll be right down. And then I'll talk to them and kind of vet them and read them and see, uh, something kind of fishy. And maybe at that point you say, Oh, well, let's get a supervisor and see what, and then the gig would be up. They would, they would probably take off. I mean, it's easier said than done, but quite frankly, if you set up things right, you know, you're not going to have those problems. Right. When you tell people you're in private security, what's their most common reaction? like the bodyguard or any sort of TV or <laughs> things like that. And it's, you know, sometimes it's kind of, uh, or 
you know, club or something like that. It's it, it sometimes it has a weird connotation, you know. So you're like a the, bouncer. The, <laughs> yeah, or oh, that's like the Kevin Costner, you know, movie. Or, <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's it's interesting, but it, it, it encompasses so much, uh, you know, these days. And I I like the fact that I, you know, have kind of a a, a two prong approach to it with the investigative side and the and the threat assessment side. So it's more of a you know, uh, a bigger picture, um, you know, service that they're getting. So, um, yeah, it's different because I got to tell you when, when I go to some of these venues or I go to different cities and then you, you know, you see that these bombings that have happened and all these incidents, Mm -hmm. and then you, you see some of the people that are in place to kind of prevent that. And it's like, you know, you got to try to help them be on their game. And, um, you know, you realize that, okay, it's just me and my team right now because most of these people are just here to make money or, um, you know, just try to get a picture with the artist or something like that. I, I honestly try not to think about it because every time one of those things happens, like the thing that happened in Manchester, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, so we've got these, you know, d- bomb detectors and dogs and things in the airport, but now you've got this giant line outside the airport. So what if someone just rolls up and does it there? Well, then, okay, now we got to have metal detectors outside so now we've got all these cars and then it happens there like there's there's no pre- preventing yeah. someone motivated enough to do something from doing something you know i mean mm-hmm. i remember when the thing in colorado happened at the batman screening it was almost like i can't believe this hasn't happened before like of course this happened you know this it's such an easy target and i i'm surprised there's uh they finally did get metal detectors at disneyland but i remember going to disneyland a few years back and just thinking, if someone wanted to flip out and start stabbing people in line, like, you know, you could take a bunch of people down. It's just, it's, right. cra- it's crazy, you know, and I, I try not to think about it because someone motivated enough is going to cause problems somewhere. You know, there's only so much you can do. You're right. And, and it's interesting because people think, oh, well, you can, you know, you could try to prevent as much as you can. But, you know, uh, in police work, when we had gangs uh, wanting to ambush us, hey, at the end of the day, if somebody has a, a well thought out plan, you know, they're going to be able to ed- execute it, you know, somewhat, unless somebody gets some intel about it, you know, before, um, you know, there's been New York uh, officers that have been ambushed, you know, in their mm-hmm. cars, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, you know, it just behooves us uh, in the general public. Obviously, police are always like this. And I was at such a heightened awareness in L.A., but uh, it just behooves us to kind of pay attention. And if something looks out of place, hey, you know what? Maybe we should watch this guy, see something, say something. We're just, you know, maybe I shouldn't be here, you know? Right. I, I don't know. It's Right. Yeah. Any preconceived misconceptions about your work that you'd like to clear up once and for all? Hmm. You're not Kevin Costner. We, we covered that. <laughs> you know, I, you know, a lot of it, they talk about, fam- you know, oh, you're following cheating spouses and things like that. I, I think, you know, it's expanded so much. So, I mean, I, I think as far as pre- you got it, there's such a higher level these days that um, with respect to training and there's a lot of good guys coming out of the military and, and law enforcement that are getting into this and, and they're doing a great job. So I think it's getting a lot more professional and there's a lot more training. And so I, I think maybe just, you know, that, you know, people aren't just like a box of rocks or a knuckle dragger or something like that. <laughs> yeah. What's the number one thing a person can do 
to secure themselves, their home, their property. Any one thing or a handful of things that really stand out to you? Uh, number one, first and foremost, just be aware. I think that um, you got to look at patterns. Like I'll give you an example. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my neighbor said, oh, is that, was that person waiting for you um, with the tinted windows across from the street from, from us? I said, no. And you know what? Matter of fact, that person had paper plates. And, you know, you got to be aware. And whereas maybe some other people wouldn't pick up on that, but you got to be aware of some of these signs. It ended up being nothing. But I kept an eye on that on that car. Um, obviously, there's kind of those things that you can do to to put things in motion, whether it's an alarm, cameras, um, dog, you know, kind of the wood uh, uh, poles for their your sliding glass door and windows and things like that. You know, different people have different opinions on on guns. If you're not trained in it, it could be used against you. But I know that's a huge you know movement these days with uh, CCW. So if you're going to go that route, get some training. And be sure that you you would use something like that. Um, but first and foremost, just look for things that are out of the ordinary, and uh, you know, get to know your neighbors. I know it's not the biggest; it's not a California thing, but uh, right. But, but you got to do it, and and you know, um, you know, everybody's kind of like a, an intel source. So yeah, you, you know what I've noticed recently is there's a, a neighborhood. Uh, like a neighborhood app or something like that, like a website. Oh yeah, yeah, I have that. that, that yeah, that, yeah. I just recently got that. That seems to be a pretty cool thing, with everybody keeping people apprised, and you can get notifications and things like that. You know, oh, the helicopter's above us. This is not, and you know, there's yeah. recent there's a recent fire over in Corona. I'm sure mm -hmm. people are communicating via that and Facebook. So staying informed and being aware. What about cars? I remember I had the club on my '89 S10. Is the is the club still a thing? Yeah, I had the club as well. I haven't seen a club in a long time. Um, but I think the biggest thing with cars, and and I just did some training for some uh, for some people recently. Don't leave your stuff in the cars. I, you know, right. there's a huge. You know, there's a lot of uh, issues with with drugs and and certain people that would steal stuff out of your cars. Um, one of the tips that I give my clients is uh, if you have a garage door opener and say you park in the front of your house or in the driveway, mm -hmm. take, take that garage door opener and, and put it in your house. If you're not going to, you know, use it to park your car in there. Um, if you have your registration, you know, potentially, you know, you, you got to present it to the police. If they pull you over, maybe you can take a picture of it. But if somebody breaks into your car and then they find out where you live and then, you know, maybe they kind of track, track you that way there's been you know different cases like that where we'll see the address on on your registration um the biggest thing is you know bags visible you know phones ipods uh if anyone uses those anymore ipads <laughs> uh computers things like that you know that people are just going to walk by crimes of opportunity right yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah i want that yeah so because by and large you know there's good theft systems and good alarms and and things like that. But, um, if you give them the opportunity, like you said, uh, all bets are off. Yeah. That's funny that you mentioned the garage door opener thing. Cause my wife said that to me maybe a month or two ago and I started bringing it in inside. It said, I never would have thought of that, you know, like, yeah, yeah, just like you said, not only is it someone coming into my house when I'm there, but if someone steals my car from wherever, it's like, Oh, well, here's where this guy lives. Let's go see what he's got. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Say, Hey, I, I took his registration. Now I know where he lives. Oh, by the way, I've got his garage door opener. Yeah. Yep. Slam dunk. Slam dunk. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the club. Mine was red. My club. Yeah, mine too. Yeah, uh, that I gotta tell you, I had three or two or three pairs of pants or shorts or whatever that got ripped because I was you know, it's not that hook on the end of it. So I'd be sliding yeah. into the car and it'd catch on the pocket and then it'd rip the pocket straight across. Yeah. I had Fantastic t- commercial though, right? Oh yeah, I remember that. I think the guy was like stone faced and just like real like he What do I do? I don't know. Yeah. What do I do yeah. with this thing? Yeah, yeah. And then I remember someone trying to sell me a like a car alarm at a like audio show or something. He's like, "Well, you know, if if you have liquid nitrogen, you could spray it in the lock and break it out." It's like, "Yeah, how, I know this is just after Terminator 2, but I mean, how much liquid nitrogen is really out there?" Like, yeah. And are they going to go through that much trouble to steal my car? You know, <laughs> it's not it's not an Escalade. My '89 S10. Yeah. Did you run across a lot of liquid nitrogen uh, club thefts uh, in your days? No, no. However, we did do uh, we did do one of those things where we had that car that was all wired up, so it had video cameras, and then um, so typically what we would do is we'd have uh, a male officer and a female officer drive up, pretend like they were getting into like a uh, a fight. Uh, domestic and then they'd go their separate ways and then they'd leave the car running or with the keys nearby mm. it. and nine times out of ten the gangsters would would come and take it and if they closed you know it was one of those cars where it would you know shut down the engine lock the doors all this other stuff so that was that was very fun that was really fun to do wow i did not know that was a thing that existed yeah yeah it's it was cool i mean it's you know it's it's pretty much used in uh areas of you know, high car theft and, and, and things like that. And, and it takes a lot of manpower to do. And, you know, you got to set aside some time, but, uh, but we did it and, and it was great. It was wow. Fun. All right. So since we're talking about the police thing again, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the current state of affairs in our country with police and police violence and protesting and all of that. Um, you come from a family of police officers. You were one yourself. You know, every job has jerks. Every job has people on a bad day. You know, you have bad days at job. I have bad days at my job. And, you know, if that, if I have a bad day at my job, it doesn't get publicized. You know, if I make a bad decision or treat someone disrespectfully, you know, it's not on the news. It's not a national crisis. But, you know, every job has good guys and bad guys in it. And I, I'm interested in getting your thoughts on the last year or two of the news cycle with the police and what's been going on. And, you know, I'm sure you know guys that acted like that. I'm sure you know great guys. So I'm I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on the whole situation. Yeah, I've certainly worked with those type of types of guys, and and it's interesting how that job kind of attracts that. And it's, um, you know, hopefully those guys get weeded out or, um, you know, get kind of put in jobs that aren't you're not exposed to the public that much. Um, with respect to the violence and with respect to um, the news, you know, it's, it's obviously being publicized a lot more because of the accessibility um, to that information uh, and, and the cameras that are out there. And somebody would rather film something than maybe help uh, maybe a citizen or a police officer or something like that. I remember I had one particular time where I stopped this person that uh, wasn't mentally uh, right, mm-hmm. and and it was when we first got the tasers. And of course, my uh, genius uh, self left the taser in the car. I didn't have it on my belt, so I ended up wrestling him, and he wasn't giving up his hands and things like that. And then, fortunately, a, a, a female LAPD officer 
who was off duty pulled over and helped me out and we were able to cuff the person up. So, um, you know, I think that it would be nice if kind of some of these people would, would help out as opposed to, you know, criticize or, or whatever the case may be. Cause at the end of the day, you know, that officer is presented with the facts that are known to him at that particular time. So, you know, that citizen has not received that type of training or had that type of experience uh, in their life because they've just haven't done that job. Mm -hmm. So it's a violent job. And most of the violence you don't see, none of that violence was, was on the news when I was working um, because of, you know, there was not that accessibility. And, and um, so I think that, you know, there definitely needs to be some sort of, it'd be nice if the whole nation was on some sort of on the same page in terms of training and procedures and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, in other words, why do we do things differently uh, from one state to another? Uh, you should use the best practices from, from, you know, where you can get them and share that information and go from there. So in other words, you know, in Baltimore, when you had that in custody death, mm -hmm. uh, you know, why does that happen there and then not there? And I know, I know there's other factors that play into certain things, but you know, we can all learn from each other. So, and then of course, you know, some of those videos are just snippets and then you don't see it. And then there's this outrage and reaction and people are making knee jerk comments, you know, a lot of the people in political power and then, you know, and then they're looking stupid at, uh, when everything kind of plays out. So it, I think people just need to step back and, and have an understanding of, of what's going on as opposed to just kind of jump in the gun. You mentioned there's a certain amount of aggression that the job attracts, you know, and I've definitely known cops that were good guys and definitely wanted to help out and were upstanding citizens. And I've definitely known or met cops that were clearly, you know, jocks in high school or bullies and just wanted to keep on with the power trip, you know, what do you think it is about it that attracts that? And why doesn't that get weeded out a little bit better? Well, I think there's, uh, you know, certain departments need uh, certain people. And then I think they need, you know, some departments need, uh, I guess, maybe a certain makeup or something like that. Or maybe they lower their standards or something. But I think that, um, yeah, I, you know, it's a, it's kind of a machismo job, I guess. And, and, um, but sometimes it gets, you attract that group mentality and you're right, you get that bullies and then they become adult bullies. And it's like, you know, and then you don't have good leadership that's, you know, saying, Hey, that's, that's not right. We shouldn't treat people that way. Um, so it just kind of gets, it, it snowballs into, into something worse because nobody wants to step up and say anything because they'll be unpopular. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's interesting because it is a, you know, a, a unique job, you know, kind of like the military or, or any sort of other job where there's some good camaraderie and, mm -hmm. and there's, there's some good brotherhood. And then sometimes certain experiences bring things out. But, you know, like I said, I, I grew up in law enforcement. I've met some of the, some of the top detectives and some of the top uh, people throughout the country um, they didn't have that attitude. They didn't have that ego. The people that I met and that I worked with that had that chip on their shoulder didn't do didn't do much in their career. And they always wanted to get into something so they can tell somebody, oh, well, I got into a shooting or they always wanted to be talked about or something. 
and they would tell the same six stories over and over through, you know, through the years. And, uh, you know, it, you, you just do your job and then just keep going. And it's not about, you know, uh, well, this guy, I, I was, I beat up this guy. Yes. Who cares? I don't care right. about that. You right. know? So, um, it's, <laughs> Some of the guys remind me, have you ever seen that movie, Billy Madison? <laughs> yeah, it's been a long uh, time, but... O'Doyle Rules. O'Doyle Rules, yeah. And he goes through the hallway and he knocks the books yep, out. Yep. And it's like, you know, you don't have to be like that towards people. And I got to tell you, I've never, I never had a citizen complaint because I never treated people bad. I treated people with respect. I had empathy for them. And I, there's no reason to treat people bad. I dealt with some of the most hardcore gang members that you'll ever meet people straight out of prison. This is not, I respected that. I knew that, Hey, I may have to do something right. if this guy pulls a knife on me, but, it, but I wasn't a jerk to them. You don't need to be. And people actually thanked me at times when I would arrest them just because of the respect that I gave them. And I, you know, it was just, it was very unique. And so, um, it's, it, it's interesting because you get into that mode and then there's kind of a ghetto mentality. Sometimes if people work in that environment for a certain period of time, they get, uh, a certain mentality that, you know, it's just, uh, it, 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 you got to get out of there at times, maybe, you know, move around and do different jobs because yeah. it, that'll wear you down. I'm sure. Well, I appreciate you talking about that. I, I know that's kind of a touchy subject and, but haven't been in it, you know, I'm, I, I appreciate your, uh, your opinion on that. Absolutely. How about let's lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> How about any crazy celebrity stories that you can tell? Again, changing names or details or places, but anything that really stands out as being odd or just wacky or something that you said, no, I'm not doing that, or no, I, you can't do that, anything that comes to mind? Oh, man. So <laughs> I've had a very good client for the almost three years, maybe two and a half years. And let's say his name is... Paul. And Paul is a, a very talented individual. And we were walking in New Orleans and we walked by, by this dress shop and he says, we're going to stop there. And this is around Mardi Gras time. And so we, if you've, ever, if you've been to New Orleans, there's that Cafe Du Monde place and there's mm -hmm. a couple, you know, so we did that, went to this diner walked around and um, so we go back and he buys a dress and this, I think this was a show day and he buys a dress and then we're walking and then we ended up getting followed by some fans. So he was, he was looking to get like a, a wig or something like that, but he ended up, we, we ducked into this mask shop. He got a mask and then, uh, and then, he performed the show uh, in the dress and this mask and all this <laughs> stuff. And, and it was funny cause it, 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 I was like, man. And then, so then I, I try to tell my wife, like she goes, Oh, what did you do today, honey? And I'm like, well, I went dress shopping with, <laughs> with another guy. And, uh, and it, it's interesting cause I always thought like bands were on the same page with respect to their wardrobe, but he didn't tell, um, his his bandmates he just i was the only one that knew <laughs> he just walked out and then the fans were like oh here we go and it, it was hilarious so i mean it, not you know fortunately there hasn't been like those stories of hey you know don't do that i've always i'm always kind of being cautious and you know saying little things and and they're abiding by them 
um, security-wise. But No, don't yeah. jump off the roof into the pool. Yeah, no, exactly. don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I've got some mature people that I that I work for because I, I don't, you know, I don't want to, um, you know, put myself in, yeah, in that type of situation. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. And, <laughs> yeah, there's many stories as it relates to, <laughs> to that guy. But it's, uh, yeah, it's funny justifying to my wife that that's work. <laughs> <laughs> that's where someone's got to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> so what's been the biggest triumph so far? Is it getting to do this at all? Is it a particular case maybe from the LAPD days? Is it something that you stopped from happening? Anything that stands out? Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I, I had, um, I've had i had multiple cases. Uh, I, you know, the one that I told you about earlier, I, I, I really enjoyed because, you know, that guy was very embarrassed that he got his car stolen and had all that stuff in there and it prevented, you know, potentially some shootings and, and homicides. Um, I've had some pretty large scale cases where I've prevented, you know, hundreds of people that didn't know that they were going to get their identities stolen. Um, basically I was undercover and I was working, um, and they thought that I was going to commit fraud. So these mortgage people sold me a hundred, um, uh, identity profiles you know, in order for me to do this fraud. Oh, wow. So, so these innocent victims, I don't even know if they found out that they were almost their whole lives were going to be ruined, you know, identity wise and financial wise, you know, financially. Um, and, and we ended up prevented it. These people drove out from, uh, or came out from Detroit. Um, and so that, that really stands out. Um, most recently, uh, some of the clients that I've had that have been uh, more consistent, uh, I just recently got a thank you card from uh, the client's wife uh, because oftentimes they come out and visit on the road and, and things like that. And um, I, I like those things. I, you know, it that really uh, meant a lot to me, you know, because to know that, hey, this person really, you know, recognizes the fact that I've kept, you know, her husband safe, them mm-hmm. safe, and, mm-hmm. you know, amid all this chaos that's going on in the world and, and all this chaos that, that we're experiencing with, you know, some of these, you know, kind of crazed fans and things like that. So, um, that was a real triumph for me. How about any failures, disappointments, anything you couldn't stop, anything that didn't work out the way you hoped it would? You know, I kind of, uh, fashion myself as a, a pretty good, um, reader of people. And I think that, um, there's been times where maybe I've given people the benefit of the doubt and have been taken advantage of in one way, shape or form. So some of my failures have, have been a result of putting trust in, in, in people, whether professionally or or personally, and then making kind of mistakes based on that trust. Mm Um, but you know, it's one of those things that if I don't feel that something's right, then then I, I may not do that, but you know, kind of the Chicago, you know, way is you, you take care of each other. And sometimes when you do that and, and, um, you know, maybe somebody takes advantage of you or uses it to their advantage or, you know, whatever it's, it's, that's been kind of my failures. Yeah. All right. So if this hadn't worked out, if you had gotten tired of the police work, got to the point where you could retire, you were done, 
you couldn't get any clients, you didn't enjoy the private security world, what would you have done? You know, I, before I got into police work, I was thinking it'd be nice to to get into film editing. I've always been interested in that. And fortunately, uh, for the past couple of years, I just kind of fell into, you know, creating videos uh, with uh, and for some of my clients on, on our downtime. And so I, I, I really enjoyed that. Um, so probably film editing or some sort of something to do with, with film. Interesting. Interesting. I would yeah. not, I would not have suspected that. Oh, it's great. I love it. What's your favorite yeah, it, movie? Ah, oh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. All those like gangster heist kind of mm-hmm. movies, I mean, those are all those are all great. Oh, yeah. Going forward, how do you define success for yourself? Well, happiness, uh just being true to myself, um doing what I want to do and uh doing good for my family. Um, I've always been, like I said, the type of person that, you know, that I feel something's right. So if I'm in an environment that I enjoy, then I'll, then I'll stick it, stick with it. Um, I like serving others. I like the joy in that. I like solving the puzzle and helping somebody with their chaos. Like today, for example, I spent a considerable amount of time with my client and she says, "I, I don't know what I would do without you. And that means a lot because you know, she's had a lot of bad people attack her and her family to mm-hmm. try to, you know, benefit them financial themselves financially. And, um, that, that means a lot. So, it, you know, just kind of living that, that true self and that true life that, that you're meant to, to have yeah. it, 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 as you get older, you're kind of, okay, this feels right. I like this. And, you know, some of those kind of negative things that we just, that I just talked about, mm-hmm you know, really exemplify that, that, uh, success and happiness because you realize, okay, that wasn't right. You know, I learned from it and here I'm at, I am right now. Yeah. And that's the whole theme of the podcast, you know, moving yourself towards things that make you happy that you feel like you're supposed to be doing, you know, finding, Absolutely. finding what that is and digging into that, you know, because it's, or it's your life. You only get one, you know, and you, know, right. you deserve to be happy. So find a way to make it work. It flies by. So from Chicago to California, you had a dream to come to California. Why California? Was it just you were tired of 90 degree with 100% humidity summers and negative 10 degree winters? I mean, was it that simple or did you want to learn to surf or why California? You know, that's absolutely it. We we um, we took vacations out here, uh, our family, initially to San Diego and just all over. And so I knew I wanted to, to come out here and it was funny. My dad was telling me when he was on like a, a homicide scene, his pen because of the cold weather in Chicago froze. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, dude, police work's an outdoor job. Yeah. I did not, I didn't, you know, I enjoyed growing up in that environment and it gives you a lot of work ethic. I shoveled snow. I, yep, yep. You know, we did a lot of stuff, but, and it was fun, but in terms of work and lifestyle, you can't beat this. No, I uh, I have a few friends from Chicago, and then we have a family friend that lives there now, and uh, we've we've been out there twice, both in the summer, but the weather pretty much cooperated. But uh, yeah, the I've seen like pictures of the roads and the cars with the salt and everything, and it's like, man, that is a hard, bitter life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man. 
makes you appreciate the the spring and the summer. Uh-huh. I, I really like the fall. The fall there is great um, with the leaves and the weather and things like that. But you're right, it's super humid, and then it's you know 40 below with the wind chill and all oh, this other stuff. And, yeah, I mean the grounds freezing. There's multiple accidents on the freeway because the grounds freezing and people are sliding all around. It's nuts. We went to New York City two years ago for our anniversary in 2015 in January, and it was like five degrees, you know, or or with minus ten wind chill or whatever. And like I snowboard, so I know what zero degrees feels like. But you know, in and out, in and out, going in, taking everything off, putting it all back on, going back outside, like that—that's totally different. Like I, yeah, that was, and I was not prepared for that feeling where you walk outside and like all the moisture in your no- nose freezes. And it's uh-huh. like you can't breathe for a little bit. I, I was not mentally prepared for that. I, And we saw a bunch of people pushing strollers in this, like, plastic bubble, you know, where the kid's trying to keep warm. <laughs> it's just how, how do you do this? How do you? I, oh, man. so crazy. You, ju- you just do it. I, I, it's funny. I took my wife to a uh, Bears game, and I said, wear everything you brought for the, <laughs> for the trip. And I was right, and we were still cold. And, you know, I, I've lost, you know, the kind of that toughness of yeah, uh, yeah of bearing the cold and it's like man it is nuts i tell everyone where we live you know we live between 60 and 79 if it's over 79 it's a heat wave and if it's below 60 it's arctic you know mm-hmm. and you see the <laughs> scarves and the mittens and it's like oh yeah. well, well it's 54 you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's shorts weather in chicago yeah really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love it all right home stretch what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten You know, I've gotten some great advice um, from my dad. Uh, he's very disciplined. I think people really enjoyed some of the advice that he gave me when I kind of displayed it. You know, firm handshake, standing up when somebody walks into the room, uh, being respectful. Um, yeah, looking people in the eye, just um, being a stand-up person. So we kind of, kind of the basic things that that kind of define you there you go what do you like to do for fun you know i have been on a little workout kick i I do uh yoga you know as you get older your your back uh kind of takes a beating so i got i got into yoga and that's been amazing um and a lot of movies i have a 12 year old um son Uh, i take him shooting uh he wants to go so i take him and and we have a good time and so movies and hanging out, traveling, is, yeah. Good segue into the next question. Anything you're excited about right now? Any movies you just saw, shows you're watching, books you just read, uh, albums you really liked, anything you want people to know about? You know, I'm um, I'm on the Netflix kick with uh, Narcos and okay. Ozark. Okay. And, uh, you know, I, I finished Game of Thrones like everybody else. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. As far as books, you know, I... I uh, read this one uh, called The Curious Mind by Brian Grazer. Um, and uh, I'm on The Lean Startup by Eric Reese. And um, I- I'm all over the map, but yeah. Uh, I have The Curious Mind. I haven't read it yet, but I ordered it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's great. And, and it just kind of talks about that, what, what we're talking about today is that flow and just, it's so weird how things just kind of kind of happen. Like for me, you know, when I at the beginning of the show, when you were talk, asking me about what I wanted to do, I, I, I set out what I wanted to do and I just went for it. I didn't think about it. I think as you get older, you kind of think more about 
oh, can I do this? Can I not? And it's good to be in that state of mind where you just do it and kind of do what you feel and, and what you love. With all that we've talked about, what inspires you to keep going? How do you keep yourself motivated? Man, um, the the joy that that I bring people in in what I'm able to do, and and kind of the um, the calmness and the chaos, and knowing that they can count on me. So, um, you know, bringing kind of that tactical and investigative skills uh, together to to help people out in their time of need. So that 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 motivates me, and just knowing that. I can solve people's problems, um, you know, once they're presented to me. If you were able to go back to the start of the journey, anything you'd tell yourself? Stop thinking too much. Stop analyzing too much. Just do it. Like Nike says, you you, you know, (laughs) I mean, it's like, I, I, sometimes you're in your head too much. And I think sometimes you get brought up where your parents maybe, you know, maybe sometimes you, as a kid, oh, I want to do this, this, and this, you know, explore it all and take risks. And I did take risks. I mean, I did take a risk. I moved out here. I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. I was in a job that I could have gotten killed. I knew friend. I had friends that I worked with that died on the job. I mean, it, it, you know, um, and just, just go for it. I, I think that, you know, the world is, is so wide open these days. And I think that if you don't take advantage of, of the things that you want to do, you're going to really sit back and regret it, you know, down the road. So, uh, personally for me, I, I, you know, just put the pedal, uh, on the floor and just go and yeah, maybe think about how you're going to do something, but you'll figure certain things out and just, just go for it. Yeah. I usually asked uh, one more question. Any last words of advice, but that pretty much sums it up. I think. <laughs> oh, I do have one more question. Yeah. When next time I get pulled over for speeding, how do I get out of it? You be the nicest person in the world. Uh, you know, have all your stuff ready. Do not be a jerk. Um, if you get pulled over by a, a guy like, like I used to be, you're on your way. <laughs> I will, I will tell you like, you know, it's, obviously it depends on what you do, but if you're a jerk, you're, you're done. Yeah. But if you're just like, Hey, I'm sorry. I did that. I did this. One of my buddies is, uh, is from Australia and he, he talks about getting pulled over for speeding or something like that. And he did just that. And they let him go. Bottom line is, Hey, I'm sorry. I did this. Yeah. No problem. You know, I understand. And you know, even, uh, as a police officer, you even get kind of nervous when, police are behind you as well. You right. know? And so, um, just, just be yourself and, and not be a jerk. And you may get let off with, with a warning if it's not, you know, something where you're cutting people off or somebody <laughs> called on you or something. You heard it here first guys. Don't be a jerk to the tops and maybe, you'll, maybe you'll get out of the ticket. Mm-hmm. So what kinds of problems can people call you about? You know, people can call me for any types of problems. Um, oftentimes I get requests for background checks, whether it's a, you know, a potential business partner, maybe somebody that's hanging around with, you know, their daughter or something like that, uh, that they may not know, um, any sort of business dispute they may have, anything. You know, uh, oftentimes 
um, people will turn to attorneys and sometimes they just need to talk to somebody um, like me where we can kind of figure out their problem and see what resources we can bring them. Um, so anything and everything, uh, business disputes, anything. And you are taking on new clients? Absolutely. Okay, awesome. So again, this is Eric Peterson, uh, former police officer, current private investigator, security chief, and fixer. Uh, you can reach him at petersoninvestigations.com. Eric, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. This has been the Maslow Pete Podcast, presented by Spring State Media Group. Our producer is Jesse Edmond. If you like what you heard today, you can find all of our episodes on the web at themaslowpeak.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or SoundCloud to have new episodes automatically pushed to you. And if you can rate and review the show, that helps a lot. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Maslow Peak. Thanks a lot, and you'll be hearing from us next time.